Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to get straight on into the Word of God today. And um, we're going to start at the very beginning, I promise. We're starting in Genesis, actually. I promise we're not going to make it all the way to Revelation today, but um, trusting the Lord for what His Word is into our heart today. We're calling it, Did God Really Say? For those of you that may be kind of, uh, yeah, you were King James, hardcore King James people. Anybody hardcore King James folk? I mean, okay, let's skip the hardcore. Let's just say you appreciated it sometime in your walk with the Lord King James. Also me. And so a lot of um, the scriptures that I actually learned were actually <laughs> King James. So uh, did God really say in King James's, hath God said? <laughs> hath God said? So we're going to look in the beginning in Genesis, the first chapter in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. The word formless, if you leave that scripture up, that word formless in the Hebrew is tohu, and my Hebrew pronunciation won't be exactly beautiful and pure, but anyway, tohu. The definition of that word is a desolation, desert, a worthless thing without purpose and in vain for no reason. Void, that word void or empty. Empty is the word bohu. And it is a vacuity or another a vacuum, an undistinguishable ruin. So all of these definitions so far are just dreadful. Darkness then, the darkness that is in this verse of scripture that we've just read, that word, weosak, and I, I'm not saying that exact right in Hebrew. I gave it a go. The definition of that Hebrew word is the dark or darkness, misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, and wickedness. So you can see straight away that all of these definitions are just horrible. And that is the condition that uh, that this area, this earth, this world was before uh, God began his creation process, nothingness it was, without order. Without purpose, one translation of the Hebrew word is chaos. It was actually the very picture of chaos. So then we get into the first chapter. And every day, at the end of each day of creation, where God started it with saying, God said, and by the spoken word, created everything within that particular uh, day and day of creation. At the end of that day, God said on the first five days, it is good. At the end of the day, he said, of the sixth day, he said, it's really good. But we're going to look and see um, what was begun Now, we know in the book of Genesis, if you guys, you know, uh, are Bible readers, you know immediately when somebody says Genesis, you think the first book of the Bible. You may not know all the books of the Bible, but you, you know, Bible readers would most commonly at least know that's the first book, the first book of the Bible. And it's in, it's the book where creation is, uh, is uh, presented and told of. But Genesis, actually, that word Genesis has a broader meaning. And so let's look at some of these other uh, meanings are commencement, 
the word Genesis means the dawning of something or the engendering of something, the formation or inception, the origin, the root of something, the source or the start of something. So what did God um, originate? What did he start? What was he the source of in Genesis? And Genesis has many different things that we can see the first of, and especially the first books or the first chapters of Genesis. So in creation, as we've already said, that was across six days of creation, we see that on the first day there was first light. It was the first thing that God made. And in, in creating light, he, he started time. Time initiated or began. In this first chapter, we see the beginning of plants. We see the beginning of marine and plant life or land life, land animals. And then we see also man and woman. We see in the second chapter, as it reiterates creation a bit, that it actually gives a bit more definition to this first male and female, and it calls them husband and wife. They just weren't random people. They were actually, in addition to being male and female, they were also described in Scripture as husband and wife. They were also created with original purpose, pure purpose for existing. I'm talking about the male and the female, the man and the wife. The first thing that God told them to do is have a family, to propagate, fill the whole world. Have a family. And so we see the idea, the first idea of family did not come from a magazine, didn't come from a show of modern family. It didn't come from a show or a movie or anything else. It came from, it came literally out of God. He also gave them a job to do. He said to have dominion and to care for the creation that he had made prior to them. He made them actually in his image or to bear his image and as his representations, male and female representing his personality traits and who he is. And they were to do that and to govern the earth as his representation. Again, I'll say everything that he made, including male and female, he said was good. And the last one, very good. Chapter 3, also we're talking of Genesis. We're looking at new things in the book of Genesis. Genesis, the, first cha- the third chapter in verse 1, marks the first time that humans encounter Satan. And they were going to encounter him a whole lot more after this. But this marks the first time. So let's look and see what that looked like. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made, and he had made um, uh, Satan to be a beautiful creature in the beginning, and he rebelled and fell. And now this serpent that the Lord had made, one day he asked the woman. So let's get ready because the next few verses of Scripture are introduced the first of many other things that God did not create on day one, two, three, four, five, or six. But it is the genesis of some other things that are introduced through this creature. He introduces a bunch of first, and none of them are good in contrast to what God had done that was all good. So let's look and see what happens as we uh, keep going through chapter 3. Notice the first thing that he says. 
introduces doubt. This is the very first doubt that had ever been experienced when he said, did God really say? He introduces doubt. And he goes on to say, you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden. Hmm, did he really say? Let's see something else that he introduced that did not come from God. This was an account of the very first discussion with a liar. Jesus called in in John the 8th chapter, he called uh, the devil the father of lies. He's a liar and actually the father of it. This is the account of the very first human discussion with a liar. There's going to be heaps of discussions with this liar all all the time after this time. But this was the first. So she answers him because it's a discussion. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. She got that right. If you read in the second chapter, she did get that right. But because of the doubt that was, that was initiated, there's a bit of confusion, and so confusion is introduced. Doubt, a discussion with a liar, and now confusion. Because she goes on to say, God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. She got part of that right. But actually, when there begins to be doubt or confusion on what God has said, people add to, some people take things away. It all begins to get a little fuzzy. So she edited some things that God had said. And once that editing begins, then things just get a lot more indistinct and confusing. And in that addled state that, it, that Eve is now, that she never had been before, then the devil introduces this blatant contradiction and accusation. Outright, absolute blatant contradiction to God and accusation. This is the first time it happened. It has, it has actually quite developed over the years, but this is where it started. And he blatantly says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman. Well, he said in the chapter before, very clearly, you will die. When God was saying you would die, he wasn't referring to uh, physical death. He was talking about something way worse than physical death. It's spiritual death, which means separation from God. People are afraid of physical death. Oh, that's nothing compared to a spiritual death or spiritual separation from God who is love. Spiritual death who is, who, uh, from God who is life and light. That is death. He keeps talking here. He said, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like him. And he had this attitude like, God's just trying to put you off from the good stuff. He's just trying to keep you from the good stuff because God knew that if you ate this, when he told you not to, he knew that if you did, that you would be just like him. Be like God. 
the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is that we can see in the first chapter and the second chapter is male and, and female, man and woman, were already created in the image of God. We didn't need to eat a piece of fruit to be like him. We already were like him. And it shows you the trickery of the enemy to deny who you are by telling you, drop who you are and go after this so you can be what you already are. If you'll do this, you'll be important. If you'll do this, you'll be rich. If you'll do this, you'll be well. You'll, you'll be, no, you'll have favor. If you'll do this, not knowing you already are. And you will be like God. And then he clarifies knowing both good and evil. In other words, you can call your own shots. You can be like God. You don't need God saying what's right. You don't need any direction from God. You don't need to hear anything more from God. You call your own shots. It's your life. You do what you want to do. You're the, you're the one who steers your own life. You're, you're in control of everything. It'll be the way you want, and God knew that. Don't let him tell you what to do. You can say the way it is. So in other words, you'll be your own God, and you'll make up your own guideline to choose from and to even judge others by. Then he introduces deception. He didn't start with deception. He just started with just a little bit of doubt. Then it went into confusion. But I tell you, you are one sitting duck if you start getting confused about what God says. Sitting duck or vulnerable to deception. Deception was introduced, and we keep reading in the scripture, it says the woman was convinced. Yow. Convinced that what that serpent was telling her was true. Guys, she hadn't even gone too far. I mean, this wasn't generations and generations after creation. She is the first woman. And already she's convinced of something different than what God has said. How did she get there? How did she get deceived? Well, of course, you know, that step of doubt and then confusion and then these reasonings. But he used her senses. Used something that God had given her. He used her senses. Keep reading there. It says she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. It appealed to her senses. And so how does, how does the enemy deceive? He uses our what, what we feel, what we, what we see, what we hear. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. And she took some of the fruit and ate it. He didn't tell her that there are two types of wisdom. We know from James, the first chapter, that there is a wisdom that comes from God. That the first quality and characteristic of wisdom, that wisdom that comes from God, is pure. And then it's peaceable. Then it can easily re it can easily um, talk and and it is humble. The wisdom that's from below is earthly, sensual, or it uses the senses, and it's demonic can be demonically influenced. That's what she ate of, was that other kind of wisdom. Then there came the first communicable disease, <laughs> or sharing the first virus, we'll say. Look what it says. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. In other words, she went against God as well. I, I reckon that this was the first real, true pandemic. Okay, COVID has affected, you know, some people and, uh, around the world. But sin, once it got in humanity, 
there is not one human who has not been affected by this. Far worse than COVID. Then he introduces shame. God had not included shame in any of his days of creation. But look what this says. At the moment, their eyes were opened after they ate the fruit in disobedience to God and in obedience to this other influence. At the moment, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame. Oh, well, we've got heaps of shame now, heaps of shame, lots of people even use it and they, they, they put it on their children. They'll say, shame on you. Of course, I know you won't ever say that again on your child, <laughs> little or old. We never put shame on people. There's enough shame that comes as a result of, of sin in this world of sin. They felt sudden, sh they felt shame at their nakedness. Let's look at something else that was introduced that had never been here before. The first cover-up, the very first cover-up, Oh, and self-righteousness. Cover up. Mm, we've been doing that ever since, too. Somebody feels a guilt or shame. The human reaction is to cover it up, either with lie or, or some kind of pretense or, or religion. is a cover up. Um, you don't even have to... You don't have to help kids learn these things. You don't have to. It just They just, uh, being in the human race, we get it. I remember a cover-up or a, um, yeah. I remember when I was a little girl, and I was raised by Christian parents, pa pa pastors of a church, but, I tell you, I came up by this cover-up just so natural. And um, we had uh, this, and still do, it's in my parents' home, a glorious, a gorgeous upright piano. Anna knows about this piano, and we've all played this piano. Our whole family has learned to play or played on. We sing together around this piano. And it was really pretty, real ornate, and but um, I just had this craving um, to carve my name in it. I, I just wanted to carve so bad. Uh, it, was just, it was just screaming out to me, this beautiful piece of furniture, you know, to carve in it. But I thought, be, be clever, Patsy. I didn't want to get in trouble for carving in it. So I carved my sister's name. <laughs> Clever. Yes, indeed. Cover up. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. That's what it says. That was the first cover. Let's see how good their cover-up actually did for them, can we? Let's see how good that worked. Because this is the first introduction, the first introduction to sin consciousness that replaces confidence with God. And Adam and Eve had had a confidence with God from, from uh, the scripture. There's indication that they had fellowship in the cool of the evening and and. Uh, there had been confidence with him as his representations on the earth. But look what it says here. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they did something they had never done before. They hid from the Lord God among the trees. 
Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden. That was Adam. So I hid. He had never done that before, but here he did now. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. I thought that he made clothes for himself. You have to know that any cover-up, any pretense, any religious garb that people put on themselves never, ever truly clothes them, not in the presence of God. Let's look at the first time that negative things about yourself was introduced. God asked them this question. He said, who told you you were naked? Who told you? Up until these two humans started listening to a different influence telling them who they are, anything about themselves, God was the one that gave them their definition. God is the one that gave them their uh, parameters. God is the one that defined who they are. And now something else is. Who told you you were naked? We could ask the question, who is telling you you aren't enough? Who is telling you that something's wrong with you? Who's telling you that you'll never measure up? Who's telling you that? Before there was another voice, it had only been the voice of the creator to them, and God's creative voice always uh, always defined and made clear his purpose and his definition for them. Then the first blame shifting. Blame shifting. <laughs> you don't have to teach that one either. This was the first time it ever happened, and it happens all the time now. People are really good at this. He, the Lord God asked them, Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. I wouldn't have eaten if you would and I wouldn't have eaten it if she wouldn't have given it to me, and she wouldn't have given it to me if you hadn't have made her. Ultimately, it's pretty much your fault. After that, then Eve is right behind you. I would have been pretty much perfect if it weren't for you and for her. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? Did the woman said, say, I got deceived and I was, I'm sorry. No, she said, the serpent deceived me. And she's actually true. The serpent did see, deceive her. She replied, that's why I ate it. Why was she deceived? Because she got confused. Why was she confused? Because she had a conversation with him. Now, here are some other firsts. Some other firsts in Genesis that are beautiful. Um, in this same chapter, we also have the very first sacrifice. An innocent animal that is killed on behalf of the guilty people. And their skin was made into proper clothes. But it cost the life of an innocent to cover the guilt and the sin of the guilty. In that same chapter, Genesis, the third chapter in verse 15, beautiful, it's the very first promise in the Bible of a Redeemer. Genesis, the fourth chapter. Again, these are all first. The fourth chapter is the first murder. Mm. 
we keep moving a little bit further into Genesis, we see the first organized human rebellion against God. And that was the Tower of Babel. Organized, strategized against God. It's been happening a lot since. But that was the first in Genesis. It was the first nations. First time there were actual identifiable nations. It's also... uh, starts giving account of the first covenants with God that he made between him and others. Now, let's go back to the first thing that we looked at today about did God say, did God say, and we're going to use the, the, the King James, hath God said or did God say first. Um, what's the answer to that? Well, a lot of people would say, um, I actually don't know. I actually don't know what God said. I can tell you maybe, okay, maybe John 3.16. There's maybe a couple bits and pieces of other verses of Scripture that I know, but actually I don't know what God said. I can tell you what maybe I've heard a few people say, but I actually don't know because I actually don't know what the Bible says. When you don't know what the Bible says, it makes you vulnerable for confusion. That's why we gather together to study. That's why on a daily basis we look into the truth, the word of God. Because not to know it makes you vulnerable to lies. Which make you vulnerable to deception. Don't be a person who actually says, "Mm, actually, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I know somebody who may know. You need to know. You don't want to be able to just quote friends. Well, I I have a friend that said da-da-da-da-da. Well, so-and-so famous person said this. I like to always quote, you know, this great famous person that lived in history. I like to quote them. I like to quote uh, famous people and um, philosophers. I like to quote, quote random teachers and random politicians. Actually, I can't really quote God. Not really sure what he said. Makes you vulnerable. Then let's, let's take, uh, you know, what most translations say of that first, uh, that question that the devil first introduced. Did God really say? What was he introducing? He's introducing confusion, like, did God really say that? Did he, so people get to, hmm, did he really say that? Rather than listening to the word of God, Knowing what he said, that's it. He draws you into, hmm, did he really? I don't know. So then it sets you up to be addled and a little unstable so that confusion can take hold. And did you really say it can also imply a snarkiness like, did he really say that? What an idiotic thing to say that you couldn't eat that piece of... Did he really say that? That is the attitude in the spirit of this age. Snarkiness. Discounting God, maybe even altogether, did God really say this? Did God, who is God, is there even a God? Because any of the taking of that kind of doubt sets a person up for confusion, which right after that is deception. It's just easy pickings can blow you over with a flick of the finger, with a breath of air. 
if you don't know what God has said. So to the degree that God is indistinct, truth is indistinct. The more, the more, the more uh, that God himself is real, do we understand everything about him? No, but I believe that he is. I believe in God. Do you believe in God? He that comes to God must believe he is. I believe in him. It helps truth be distinct. Truth rises and falls on the clarity of your belief that God is and the creator is. You know, I read, um, um, I was watching in, in um, YouTube um, about spatial disorientation. And spatial disorientation may not be something that you've read up and studied on unless you're a pilot. And we've have, we have friends who have planes, and my son-in-law's husband, or father, is a, is a small aircraft pilot. And, um, but spatial uh, disorientation is a very, very real thing because God, as the creator, made us as humans to be able to walk on the earth. And we have inner ear um, mechanisms created into us that enable us to not get off balance and our equilibrium to help us to not to not fall but you put us as human beings in the air and there can be disorientation and it's what makes people crash planes where I saw it of, of a crash that was very famous recently it was from a, an amazing basketball player uh, Kobe Bryant, and they accounted that terrible crash to spatial disorientation. What does that mean? Well, when you're in the air, your eyes are begging for something to get stability from, and so you look to the horizon to know if your plane's like this or like this or like this. You look to the horizon, which is good as long as you can see. But what happens when there are clouds? The human body gets confused. It will feel like it's going this way, and so it will overcorrect and go the other direction. It happens. It's terrible. When people go by feeling instead of truth. Nina gave a verse of Scripture in the offering today, in 2 Corinthians, the, the fifth chapter, in verse 7, we walk by faith, not by fight, sight. We don't walk by feeling. If you walk by feeling, you're going to have a disorientation that is going to make you overcorrect, that is going to make you crash in different areas of life. You can't go by feeling. You have to go by faith. And how, let me ask this church, how does faith come? And hearing What? The word of God. You don't get faith to walk by from any other influence or any other voice other than the one who made us. We get faith from him that lets us be stable in an unstable world. We get faith from him that if we can't see the horizon in an area of our life, we lose touch with what the, what's real, and there's all kind of feelings happen, and what's real. If you've heard from God, <laughs> praise the name of the Lord, you can just say, mm, this is what God says. They say, because I listen to lots and lots of YouTubes about spatial disorientation, they say the reason why that people get into spatial disorientation who know to look at their instruments, which the Bible, does somebody have one, a physical one? Can you run it up to me? We look at the instruments instead of the way things look out there. If we're looking at the instruments. You know why they say that people that even know to do that, like Kobe Bryant's uh, a helicopter pilot, knew 
how did somebody that knew still crash? They get distracted. They get distracted from this. Part of the work of the enemy is to distract you from this, that something is more important than God's voice, that something is more real than God's voice. Oh, dear family, there is no other voice more important to us as humans than the voice of the one who made us. So, if we forget it was God who gave us our identity in the beginning, it's only a certain amount of time till feelings start just make you go, all over the shop. Or maybe we forget that God redefined our identity in our spiritual births. Praise God. He did make us in the beginning because of sin. We fell and became broken people. But because of what Jesus has done, in John 3 and verse 3, Jesus told a man, in Nicodemus, he said, you have to be born from above. You have natural parents, but you need to have God as your father. It's critical. This is the creator talking. You have to have a second birth now that sin has come into the world. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, let's look at this verse together. If any man be in Christ and has had this this birth from above, or this spiritual birth. The Bible says he is a new creation. In other words, God does something on the inside of you that only God can do. The old passed away, and behold, the new has come. So you ha- it's important to know who you are as far as creation is concerned. Good to know. Good to know the new creation realities. If you don't know the new creation realities, who the devil will eat your lunch. You say, what is new creation realities? At the end of this service, we'll have some people up in the front, and then if there's terminology that I've used, they're like, huh, no, I'm not getting that, but I want to. I want to get it. I want to get that. Um, come up here and ask. We have some, some people at the new steps. Uh, these are important for safe flying in life to know the truth. Praise the name of the Lord. So what about these things that speak into, speak into, is talking to us? Don't be looking for a snake on a tree. There are influences or voices. The Bible says many voices and everything is significant. Not every voice is bad. Not every voice in fashion is bad. Not every voice in entertainment or education is bad. Not every voice in political parties are bad. But if there was something they were saying that is, would you swallow it? How would you know? Tony gave the terminology last week to eat the hay, spit out the sticks. Do you know what sticks are? Do you know what hay is? How do you know? You don't have to be afraid. You just have to stay connected to your creator. God has said some things regarding his creation and his new creation. On Sunday nights, on the fourth Sunday night of each month, we have what um, is is called Christian Worldview. And Mitch teaches that and and taught on creation the very first time. That wasn't recorded, so you can't go back to it. I wish you could. But uh, we'll get the notes from that and um, the slides of that. And in there are some links of some, some really good things that will help you in, um, in making sure that this awareness of God a- as your creator, original creator and new creator, is absolutely clear, all right? You want, you want to know God 
has said. So that the next time he talks to you like he he talked to Adam and Eve has or he talked to Eve has God said is contrasted with what Jesus experience was in the wilderness when he came to to uh, the devil came to Jesus and even twisted scriptures and got spiritual on Jesus. Jesus didn't swallow a bite of it. Not one bite of it. Jesus didn't sit there and think, let me think about that, devil. Actually, you got a good point. You know, I've been wanting people to, um, I, I, I do want the nations. I believe it's a part of my destiny for the nations to follow me and to worship me. You say I can, if just by bowing down and worshiping you, that all the nations will, will follow me? High five. We're with you, devil. He didn't. He recognized a lie. And how he came back is, um, I'm not sure what God said. It seems like I've heard a few things. I know the rabbis say some things about this. I know some other people say some things about this. Some great, famous people say this. I like to always quote those people. No. He said, it is written. And when the devil came at him again, and he will, Jesus answered again, it is written. And he quoted what was written. And when the devil came by the third time, Jesus says, I love this, again, it is written. And you can defeat the deceiver the same way. I'd like the guys to come. Um, yeah, Andrew. When we're saying it's important to be in the word, it's not just because, you know, it's just wonderful. No, it's more than wonderful. It can save your life. One thing that I heard in that spatial disorientation video, one after another, they said, you've got to do this. It'll save your life. It'll save your life. If you're ever in a situation like that and, you, and there's clouds, 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 and you can't see where you're going, it said this, don't look out the window. <laughs> said, don't look out the window. And then they said this, because it can save your life. What do you mean, don't look out the window? Don't be trying to line your life up with what the world is saying here, what the world is saying there, what the world is saying here. And I don't care what value those people have. Nobody carries the value of the creator of the universe and the originator of the human being. He gets the right to say, he is God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to look into your word and find out about you. And in your word, we find out about us. And today, we also looked into your word and identified some things about one who tries to kill and steal and destroy us so that we're not vulnerable to him. Father God, I pray if there's anybody here All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if there's somebody here that wants a way back to God, that way is in Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if you want God in your life, if you want to know God, you can. I'd invite you to pray this prayer with me because it's the first step. And I'd like everybody to pray this prayer along to dear Heavenly Father. Go ahead and pray this with me. And I encourage those that are watching online that would like this to pray along with me. Let's all pray along together. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that you are the creator. I haven't been perfect. 
I want to come back to you as my, as my God, as my creator. I acknowledge that Jesus came and died as punishment for my sin. He made a way for me to come back to you. I accept that way right now. I accept what he did on the cross and I believe that you raised him from the dead. And I say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be in my life. I want what you have to say about me. seeing something here. Just keep your eyes closed. You haven't crashed and burned <laughs> your life. But you're spiraling. You're tipping. What you used to think you could control is now controlling you. no escape other than putting your eyes on the creator the savior somebody can save you you cannot save yourself you can't pull yourself out of this but look into him you can that's extreme but I see some some areas where there's come deception into relationships deception into the security of your life, finances, your physical body. Putting your eyes on Jesus today will blow the confusion away. Thank you, Jesus. Today, be people up here to pray with you, pray for you, to help. Not just, won't just be a prayer to make, make it all go away. No. It's, they'll help you find what the Word says. If you're like today, you're going, I, I, I don't know what God says about this. I don't know what He says about my mind. I don't know what He says about my body. I don't know what He says. You can find out. And I ask you, Father God, you're so faithful to lead us to truth, lead us to people who lead you, lead us to you. In Jesus' name. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.